Do you guys have, just, just show of hands, do you guys have family values with your parents? Do you have family moral, uh, moral, like this is who we are as a family? Yeah, cool. So family, so, so family values are really ultimately, and this is going to sound super simple. Shh, let's focus. So family values are really just the things that, wink, wink, you value. The things that, that you say, hey, man, this is important for me. This is important for my family. This is the way I'm going to live my life. Hey, guys, let's focus in, okay? So family values are important. If you're ever, when you guys become uh, parents, when you guys start your own family, which I know is like 100 years from now, but when you guys do that, family values are important because if you don't have values, you don't know which direction you're going. Values are important, okay? And so as a church, as a youth ministry, we have four values. Everybody say four values. Get it? Four values, four weeks. Uh, that's kind of cool. As a, as a church... As a main church, as a big church, we have nine. But as a youth ministry, we have four. Four major key family values. And so what we're going to do is take one week to just go over these family values. And so this first one, as you can see, has changed lives. Um, anybody see this guy in the corner right here? That's, that's not me. That's not me. Who is that? Does it look, Brandon, come here for just a little bit. Does it kind of look similar over here? Yeah, that's because it's, it's Brandon's dad. So uh, it's, it's Jory. Uh, up here over in the corner? No, that's not me. That's your youth worship leader, Jonah. Right up there. Yep, 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 yep. And then down here, that's one of our, our administrative assistants. Her name's Misty. She's awesome. Uh, Macy just got finished playing volleyball, and they won all of one game. Two games? Three games. Come on. Give it up for Macy and her volleyball team. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing that we're going to cover, now that everybody, we got all of this stuff taken care of, we're going we're gonna to really talk about the first value that we have, and that is changed lives. Everybody say changed lives. Changed lives are important to God, and so they should be important to us. All right? So I want to ask a question. Have you guys ever wanted a fresh start before in your life? Yeah. Who's ever wanted a fresh start? Raise your hand. I want a fresh start. I want to do this thing. Yeah. I remember... I remember wanting a fresh start so badly. Uh, I've talked about it a little bit, but like when I was growing up in Kentucky, uh, I was a knucklehead, okay? I know, I, yeah. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. I was. And so when I was a senior in high school, when I was a senior in high school, I looked at going away to college and I was so excited because if I moved away far enough, I could be a new person. Have you guys ever, who's ever moved before? Yeah. You ever thought like, if I just move away and nobody knows me, like I can be a brand new person. It'd be great. Yeah. So good. But what I found, what I found is that even though I moved, because I moved from Kentucky to Missouri and then eventually from Missouri to Arizona, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I thought 
that that alone, just moving locations, was going to change me. But what I realized through my freshman year of college was that nothing, even though circumstances and things changed around me, I wasn't going to change until God actually changed me. Okay, because I was a freshman and I had brand new friends. I had a brand new routine. I had a brand new location in a place I had never been before. There were like two people on the campus who knew who I was. Did you guys know that I went to school with Yo-Yo? Yeah, me and Yo-Yo were like the first, we were like, he was like the first 10 people I ever met at college. Uh, And I was like one of the first 10 people he met. Like we were coming in the same time. So it was super cool. It's funny how those things work out. He was. But I thought, like, okay, nobody knows me. I'm in a brand new uh, uh, location. I'm in a brand new spot. Like, I'm a brand new person. But I didn't change. And so God really worked with me through those four years, really through that first year mainly, and was like, hey, listen, until you change, I can change everything around you. But until you make that decision, nothing's going to change. So I want to read this story uh, about how Jesus sets up the opportunity for us to step into a fresh start and, and, and step into a brand new life. Um, do you guys remember a few weeks ago we talked about this thing, uh, transformation, how we're transformed by, by, by God, by Jesus, right? We talked a little bit about that. It's going to kind of sound similar, so I hope you guys will bear with me. But I want to read out of John chapter 5. Um, so if you have Bibles good on you. And if you don't, then just turn on your phone or something. I don't know. (laughs) Sky Bible. We do have the Sky Bible. So uh, I love John. I love the book of John. Um, You know how much I love Luke, but I I love the book of John because it basically talks about all of the miracles that Jesus did. All of the things that he did that was, that made him supernatural, that's what John wanted to talk about. Each of the gospels, even though it's kind of the same story, they each focus in on different parts. And that's why each of the gospels are super important. Even though it's the same story of the basic story of Jesus, it's important to see uh, each of the, the gospels for what they are. So, John chapter 5, I'm going to read 1 through 15. This is what it says. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool. Ah, I love pools. Who's excited for a pool again? Come on, let's be real. Now this wasn't that type of pool. Let Let me explain. So there was a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsheda. Everybody say Bethsheda. And you're like, is that the, is that the thing, is that the woman that, 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 that David liked? No, it's not the same thing, okay? Bethsheda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. There's a lot of cool words in this passage. I like it. Here, a, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Everybody say the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. So there was one who had been there, he had been an invalid, meaning he had, been, he had been lame, he couldn't walk, he was paralyzed for 38 years. That's crazy, that's a long time. So when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And he said, sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. 
And then Jesus said to him, get up. Everybody say, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at this, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And the day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. Okay, yeah. I love the way that it's written sometimes. It's the Sabbath. And then it goes, it is the Sabbath. So good. He had, uh, the law forbids you to carry your mat. It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away in the crowd while he was there. I love how Jesus is like basically a ninja. He's like, I'm going to just get away. I'm going to get away. Like he constantly is doing that. I love it. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning. Everybody say, stop sinning. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. If you guys would just pray with me just real quick before, uh, before we get into the, the message uh, about changed lives. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, that it is true. We thank you that it is good. Lord, I pray that we would um, be able to listen to the things um, that, that you are speaking, Lord, and it would um, set us up for life change. We know that, that we can do so much, uh, we can only do so much on our own, that, that it really truly takes your hand to, to, really, to really move us. It takes your, your Holy Spirit to guide us, to comfort us, and to reveal yourself to us. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight we would be able to understand this value that we place here as a youth ministry, and we would be able to, to, to have that be a clear marker of who we are. We thank you and we just invite you. Uh, we know that you're already here, but we just invite you into this space to say and do whatever it is that you want. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So this story is kind of crazy, right? I love it. We're going to kind of break, break this down because I know it's a lot. Um, but the first thing that Jesus changes in order to change lives, because Jesus changes lives, right? Spoiler alert. You know, if you know that, but the, <laughs> but the way Jesus changes three things around us so that we can actually step into life change. The first is this, that Jesus actually changes the customs. You see, Jesus changes customs. People avoided this location because it was uncomfortable. But it was also because there was this thing called uh, the ritual law. It was, it was a purity law. And there were things that they had to do in order to stay pure, especially on a day like the Sabbath, which was holy. It was marked. It was set apart. All of these things, right? And so the custom that these people had made was both religious and based on convenience, they had a religious custom because they didn't want to, to go in there because, because of the ritual purity laws that, that were set. But they also felt uncomfortable, okay? Have you guys ever uh, avoided somebody or someone or, or, or something because it was uncomfortable? Okay, yeah. Like, you, like I'm going to be honest. Like, there, there are a, a lot of times if you go to bigger cities and you see people who are— um, People who are, are, are homeless, a lot of times 
it, it for some reason, it's like, hey, man, I, I got to get to the other side of the road or I got to get away from here. There was a funny story. Um, my, my, I was uh, at Evangel in uh, Springfield and I was uh, driving and I was pulling out of a, of a, of a parking lot <laughs> and I was literally turning my wheel to pull out. And there was a guy who comes and he just knocked on my window. He's like, you got any money? I'm like, no, I, I don't have any money right now. Like it, it sometimes makes us feel uncomfortable. And so sometimes we, we like to avoid these things because of how they make us feel. But the fact, so, so it, I say all that to say the fact that Jesus was even at this location was a big deal. Because the religious leaders of the time didn't want anything to do with it. And, and even, even non-religious people didn't want anything to do with it because it made them feel uncomfortable. It made them feel like, ah, I don't, I don't want to touch this. Like, this is, this is bad. See, healings on the Sabbath, this is another custom that they had. Healings on the Sabbath were, were forbidden. Ah, they couldn't do it. And as a matter of fact, the religious leaders of the time, they weren't interested in the well-being of people. The religious leaders, all they cared about was that the law was actually being upheld, that everybody was doing everything exactly the way that they could so that they could pe keep people in check was mainly the reason why they, they wanted to do it. They had power and they wanted to throw that around. You see, the, the religious leaders weren't interested in the well-being of people. They were just merely interested in the law and the traditions. You see, they lost sight of what the purpose of the law was. They lost all of the, the sight, and what happened was the law actually became an end to itself. It became an end to, to a means in and of itself. We know this from Scripture, right? Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to... Fulfill. Ah, yeah, it makes sense, yeah. Jesus didn't come to uh, abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. And so he completely changed the customs around what the law was and how people were to follow it. You see, it completely changed everything. You see, as Jesus changes our lives, as, as, as our lives begin to change, Jesus will change the customs and the values that we have. And sometimes it's because of a life change that we change the way that we live. But sometimes Jesus will actually change the way that we live and change our customs before he changes our heart. Before he allows us to step into a changed life. Sometimes he'll change the customs around us. You see, the things, the things that we misconstrue and the things that we twist, he begins to straighten out and he begins to offer a way to live. A straight and narrow path, right? You guys know this? This is how he sets us up to live our life. He changes the customs. And in this case, he was changing customs even before he worked the miracle. He was changing everything around the, 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 the way that people did things even before he worked uh, what, what he was going to do with this miracle. The second thing is this. So Jesus changes the customs. Jesus also changes the expectation. Everybody say Jesus changes the expectation. Come on. Just got to make sure you guys are still with me, okay? Jesus changes the expectation. You see, when Jesus asked him, do you want to get well again? His response wasn't, yes, I want to get well. His response wasn't, yes, would you please help me? His response was, but Jesus, you don't know 
how, what I've been facing for 38 years, you don't know. He said, do you want to get well? And he said, no, look at the situation. Look at what I'm faced with every single day. Jesus said, do you want to get well? And he didn't answer with a yes or no. He just said, hey, look at my situation. Jesus changes the expectation because this man's only hope that he had was when the waters would begin to stir and the first person in the water would be healed. That was all he could see. He couldn't see, do you want to get well again? He, He didn't know that. That was foreign to him. It was like, you don't know the situation. How many times does God speak something to us and we're like, yeah, but you don't know the situation? God will say, hey, I want you to do this, or, or would you do this for me? And he says, and we look at him and we go, yeah, but you don't know. <laughs> like, can't do this. You see, the man had a very poor view of grace, and he had a very poor view of God because he was hopeless. He couldn't even answer a yes or no question of do you want to get well, because to him it was already set in stone. God only healed in his view in his mind God only would heal on a first come first serve basis the only thing he had ever experienced the only thing he had ever experienced was people who get in the water first get healed and that's it that was all he had I think what's what's another cool thing is um and this is something I didn't even know but it says that he had sat there for 38 years I didn't know this but did you guys know that the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 38 years? I don't think that John, this was his main intention of putting 38 years. I don't think that it was his main reason for putting that. But I do think that he knew exactly as he was writing down that the, the, this was 38 years. I bet he knew exactly what he was doing in drawing these comparisons. John was, was wanting us as, as, an, as a reader Wanting, wanting the audience that he was writing to, to realize that 38 years in the wilderness to the Israelites seemed like forever. And so 38 years to this guy who was paralyzed and couldn't walk seemed like forever. You guys ever thought about that? Like if you're ever in a place of hopelessness or you're ever in a place where you can't seem to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel, it seems like it's forever, even when it's not. One week feels really, really long when you're feeling, uh, you know, when you're in your feelings. Uh? Anybody ever been there? A day feels like it's forever. Yeah. It's the same thing here. He included it because he wanted to highlight how people who experience hopelessness understand how time seems to hang like an eternity. Jesus wanted to change the expectation. He actually doesn't even talk about this guy's poor theology. When he says, do you want to be healed? And he doesn't even answer the question. He didn't say, no, 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 no. You don't understand. See, see, this is how God works. And this is how he doesn't do any of that. All he says is, get up. All he says is, come on, let's, let's, let's do this thing. He changed the expectation. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what it would be like? I'm going to lay here because I'm old. Uh, could you imagine what it would be like if you're laying down, your legs don't work. And somebody's like, hey, get up. What are you doing? Like, don't tell me to get up. That's mean, okay? But then I can only imagine 
I can only imagine that Jesus reached down his hand and picked him up. And as he did that, that began to bring strength to his legs. And he was actually able to stand up. You see, sometimes Jesus is like, I don't care what you think your expectations are. If you would just listen and trust me, I'll be able to change it. If, if you would just listen to me, I don't care about your circumstances. I don't care about your situation. I don't care about what you think you might experience. Jesus says, I'm going to change the expectation. You see, when we have an encounter with Jesus, he demands that every expectation of what we think he's going to do be put to the side. We have to change the way of, of, of thinking like, oh, does God really know what he's doing? Like, is if we can just begin to, to trust in him, it would be amazing. Jesus changes the expectation that we have. If we continue to sulk, if we continue to act negatively to what he's doing in us, to us, and through us, he can't effectively change us. If we just re react negatively to everything that he does, hey, could you guys, hey, could you guys pay If we continue to, to act negatively, then he's not going to actually be able to change us. And that's kind of what this guy did. That's why Jesus gives him this warning in verse 14. Could you put uh, the scripture back up in verse 14? It should be like the third slide or whatever. Verse 14. Where is it? Here it is. It says, later Jesus found him at the temple and said, see, you are well again. He said, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now, Jesus, okay, I read this, and I just thought of, like, the mafia. Like, Jesus is like, listen, listen, if you don't stop sinning, I'm going to break your kneecaps. That wasn't what Jesus was doing, though. That wasn't what, but when you read something like that, you're like, hey, man, it's like, stop sinning or else. Yeah, you're like, okay, I'll do that. But that's not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying is, hey, if you don't actually begin to take hold of what I just did for you, because he was actually going back to the temple to like complain and kind of rub it in the face of the religious leaders and be like, ha ha, look at what Jesus, you know what I mean? Like that's really his heart. And so Jesus finds him again and says, hey, if you don't stop sinning, if you don't actually step away from the things that I'm calling you uh, out of, then something worse is going to happen to you. He was saying it as, as, a, as a plea of like, man, don't let this go to waste. The thing that was worse in Jesus' mind was that, yeah, he might have be able to, to, to walk now. But if he didn't actually live a changed life, he was still going to have to answer to, to God someday. He was still going to lose his salvation if he didn't actually turn from what Jesus had done. Sometimes... Sometimes people don't actually accept miracles with grace and humility and, and a willingness to change their life. That's really what I, I'll hit it on, on at the end. But before I do, story time, right? You guys, <laughs> I, I think I've told this story, but I'm going to tell it for a different reason. Did I ever tell you about the time I got in a fight? No, 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 no. Not, not the time that I preached at the girl when I was like four. That, that's another time. If you guys want to hear that story, it's pretty funny. I actually have a recording of my grandmother 
saying that story, and it is way better than what I, like Macy can attest to it. It is way better than what, uh, than, than, than what I could tell. But I got into, uh, got in a fight when I was in like sixth grade. I know, I've, I've, I've told you guys about this. Basically, here's the thing, here's the thing. Basically, I, I, was, I was in a spot where I was not just getting bullied, like you can handle bullies. I was getting straight up harassed, okay? Like, dude was calling my house every day. And like, even if my mom or dad picked up, he's like cussing them out. I'm like, mm-mm, you don't talk to my mama like that, okay? And so finally my, uh, finally my dad, finally my dad's like, hey man, you just got to buck up, dude. Let's do this thing. And so I said, all right. So he calls my house one day. He's like, hey, man, tomorrow I'm going to see you. I'm going to punch you out. Never. All right, listen. I'm not the most tough dude, but I felt super tough because I, I took that phone. I said, tomorrow, let's just do it now. And I hung up. I was like, let's go. So I told him the time and place because he called back. He's like, hey, man. Why you hang up on me? Anyway, so we found a place. <laughs> Here's the thing. So I show up, and, and he shows up, except he showed up with, like, four of his friends. Hold on. Hold on. This is, this is a message for another time, but he also showed up with, like, three of my friends, or what I thought was my friends. That was really fun. I'm like, hey, man, come on. Like, we're homies. Whatever. Apparently not. Anyway, so I am looking at myself, and again, I wasn't a very big kid. So I'm looking at myself, and I'm like, okay, one, two, three, four. I'm, I'm dead. Like, I'm dead. Fortunately for me, my mom and dad saw, because it was right outside my house. And they were, my dad was like, uh-uh, my boy's not getting jumped. <laughs> and so he came outside, and he wasn't. He didn't do anything, right? But for me, I was like, oh, okay, let's go now. Because my expectation of what I was actually going to step into had changed because my dad was behind me now. And I knew that I wasn't going to get in trouble. I knew that I wasn't going to be in a bad spot. You see, sometimes when the expectations change, when God actually is in our corner, we can actually step into what God would have us do. And that's not to say that God would have you fight. Please don't do that, all right? <laughs> don't throw hands, all right? Well, no, he, he wouldn't. But sometimes the, when the expectations change, our, 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 our expectation can change. So the last thing is this. Jesus changes the circumstances. Jesus changes the circumstances. He changes the customs and the values and the things that we might place around us. He changes the expectation that we have. But then Jesus also changes the circumstances. You see, Jesus changed the scope and the viewpoint in which every situation this guy would, would look at for the rest of his life. Because from, from, for, for 38 years at the least, this was his vantage point. And now... Now that he was healed, literally, physically, he had a different vantage point, right? But even in his life, because of this miracle, he now had a completely different set of circumstances. And he could live his life in a certain way now that, now that he had experienced this miracle. 
Jesus gave hope in a hopeless situation and provided a miracle when it seemed like nothing would ever change. Being made well, though, has its implications. Being made well has its implications because guess what? This guy had built an entire lifestyle based on being paralyzed, based on not being able to walk. There are so many people who build lifestyles off of their, their inability to do something. Uh, when, I was, when I was in Kentucky, they ran an article um, and they did a news story on panhandlers. So the guys who, the guys who, who stand out with, with signs and stuff. And some of those are legit stories of, of people who are, are down on their luck and, and really messed up. And they're really, really in the midst of something terrible. Okay? So don't hear that. But in Owensboro, where I lived, there were like three or four people who had taken up street corners but they lived in another county. So they would drive in every morning, leave their car on the outskirts of town, go and act like they were homeless, and pick up about $3,000 a day. Not too bad if that's what a good job is going to be, right? I would say that if they were found out, and you watched one of these panhandlers who were doing it for money, and you watched them get back in their car, that would not go over very well with people. And if they were ever found out, I'm sure that their whole situation would have to change. You see, when, people, when people's circumstances change, especially when their whole life is built around those circumstances, God will, will call us to, to, to change those and to step out of those. And it's not always the most comfortable thing to do. You see, this guy had a rhythm and a routine to every single day of his life. And every single day of his life looked exactly the same up until his encounter with Jesus. It was all the same. But an encounter with Jesus can change everything around a person. But the heart still has to want the change itself to truly experience the transformation. That's why verse 14 is not some mafia mob boss who's like, hey, man, if you don't stop sinning, I'm going to break your legs. He's saying, hey, would you please leave this life of sin, acknowledge what I've done for you, and live differently. We have to experience transformation in order to have a changed life. The Lord will never force hearts to be changed or, or, or hearts to be moved towards him. He will invite those opportunities all day long. But it's really up to us to actually step in and say, you know what? I'm going to live in the life change that you're offering. This man didn't really get it. And we don't have an account on if he ever really got it. But we know that Jesus gave two warnings to him to get up and walk and pick up his mat and live differently. And then he found him again still not doing it. And he said, hey, would you understand that you have to live differently? You have to, have to, have to live differently. Despite the customs and the expectations and the circumstances changing, this man's heart didn't change right away. Not everyone will be able to step into what God offers them with humility and gratitude. Not everybody, sadly, will be able to look at the miracle of what God does in their life and say, you know what, that's going to cause a heart change. But guess what? It's on us. Jesus will change everything around us. And if the worship team would go ahead, you guys can come on. 
The Lord will, will change everything around us, but it's up to us to actually step into life change. Everybody say, it's up to me. It's up to me. The question that, that Jesus asked this, this man, he said, do you want to be well? That same question is something that we are all asked when, when we make that decision for Jesus to come into our lives. Jesus is prompting us through the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, hey, do you want to get well? Yeah, but Jesus, you don't, you don't know. Every single day, this is what I've been facing. No, 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 no. Do you want to get well? Yeah, but Jesus, you don't know my identity, and this is who I am, and this is blah, blah, blah. Do you want to get well? It's a question that we all have to have an answer to. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you don't live so attached and so dependent on God, eventually when you're asked that question of do you want to be well, you'll go, you know what? No, I got it. I can do it on my own. That's never a place that we want to find ourselves. I don't want to be this man who experienced a, a, a miracle and experienced so, so life change and walk away and act like nothing was different or rub it in other people's faces. I want to experience the life change and I want to be able to answer Jesus when he says, do you want to get well? And I want to be able to say, yes, I do. I want to put my hope. I want to put my trust. I want to put everything I have in you because I can't save myself. I can't help myself. I can't do any of these things. Hey, guess what? I know what society and I know what culture says that you're mostly a good person. Most everybody's good. No, that's not true. Without God, we are wicked, we are evil, we only want to do what we want to do. I mean, look at a two-year-old. Most selfish people on the planet, okay? Toddlers are selfish, all right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When Jesus asks us, do we want to get well? He looks at us and he says, look, I've changed the customs. I've changed all of this for you. I've, I've changed the expectation. I've given you something where you don't have to look at all the other things around you. I've changed the expectation. I've changed the circumstances and the situations that you found yourself in. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to get well? And we have to look at that and say, okay. But what that looks like is actually literally walking away from the things that we were holding on to. Stepping away and stepping out of our sin. We have to express our loyalty, our devotion, and our hearts, minds, and souls being totally dependent on God. That is how we're able to experience changed lives. Jesus will change everything around a person, but until you actually step into it, nothing will change. Just like I was in college, seven hours away from home. I'm going, I've got new friends, I've got a new routine, I've got a new thing. Why isn't anything changed? It's because I didn't. I didn't change. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Tonight, if you 
Tonight, if you would just be honest and be open. Tonight, if you would say, Josh, I, I, I don't know about all of this. <laughs> I don't know if I'm, if I'm able to, to step into this. I want to tell you the amazing thing about God is that when you're reliant on him, he is so faithful to take care of everything around us. If you are experiencing heartbreak, if you experience a, 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 a letdown, if you experience any of that, if that's what's holding you back, let me encourage you that if you would take the, the, the step out, if you would take the step out and you would say, you know what, I, I don't even know, I just, I just wanna know more about you, God is faithful to reveal himself. He's faithful to change everything around us. And if we would allow him, he's faithful to change us from the inside out. That we can actually literally live differently. We have that opportunity. So tonight, if you've never, if you've never made that, if tonight you say, I I've never really stepped into living a changed life. Maybe you've recognized that all of what God has done to change around your situation and circumstance, but I haven't actually lived that out. If that's you tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to live a changed life. Guess what? That means surrendering everything. Thank you. I see that hand. I, 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 I see that hand. Thank you so much for being honest and open. But that means that we literally have to die to ourselves. That we literally have to allow him to, to, to change us. He'll change everything around us. But it's really up to us on if we want to allow him to change us from the inside. Tonight, if you would say, you know what, I, I, I've experienced that. I've been walking in that. Guess what? There are so many people who haven't. And so tonight, I want to also pray that if you have experienced that and you're like, man, I, I, I'm already walking through that. We all know people who aren't. And so I would pray that, that as we adopt these family values for not only our church, but our youth ministry right here, right now, that we would place a high value on changed lives. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you for those who have raised their hands, who, who have said, I want to actually step into a changed life. I want to I want to actually step into to serving you and, and knowing more about you, to leaning in on you. Lord, I thank you for those who have made that commitment. I thank you for those who, are, who have taken that stand and said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to live my life in this way. But, Lord, for those of us who, who feel secure in our salvation we 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 feel your your presence moving us and we're we're so ready for you to to change us lord i pray that that would be uh just a uh there would there would be a burden for us to to live a changed life so that we can be instrumental in in helping change lives through your holy spirit through the empowerment of your holy spirit Lord, for those of us who, who feel like, man, I, I think I've got this thing figured out. I, I pray, Lord, that there would be a burden to help be your hands and feet so that we would be able to, to change 
help, help the process of changing lives. Lord, I pray that there would be a burden for, for lost people to come here, for lost friends, for, for lost family members to, to, to be able to, to plug in. But Lord, I ask that you, you would, you would just remind us again of anything that we need to lay at your feet, anything that we need to, to look at and say, you know what? I give you everything and I want you to have control. Because ultimately, that choice of living and stepping out in a changed life is, is a decision that we all make. And you are so faithful, you are so loving that you would even give us the opportunity to not be robots and just mindlessly serve you, but to actually choose you. So Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray that we would be able to, to live marked after everything it is that you are doing in our lives. I pray that we would live marked and I pray that we would live called to reach people. That, Lord, it wouldn't just be us who are who are going into heaven and, and, and going happy, but, Lord, it, we would bring as many people as we could with them. We, we ask that your word, that, that this value would be so high on our priority list. We would constantly be looking at, at ways that we can help, ways that we can demonstrate your love and we can be used in just a, a, a slight manner of, of the, the work that you want to do in everyone who is, who is lost and, and doesn't know you. But I pray that you would be glorified and I pray that you would speak tonight. I pray that, that you would just be able to do whatever it is in the rest of the time that we have together. Lord, and we would be able to, to focus on you and, and we will be able to bring you glory in Jesus name everybody said amen we just give the Lord a hand clap come on he's so good